Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Trudy Angel is the producer and assistant director of an upcoming documentary called La Requa, Dario's Dream. She's an award-winning organizer of rural sustainable tours in Baja, California, Sur, Mexico. Since 1986, she's organized mule pack trips to renowned World Heritage Rock Art Sites and famous roadless ranches, missions, and villages in the heart of the Baja Peninsula. She was an associate producer for Corazon Vaquero, a timely documentary portrait of old Californio ranch lifestyle. For over three decades, she's explored the peninsula's historic routes by mule, learning outback lore from her vaquero guides. And Carol, I understand Trudy's production company, Belmar, uh, Belmare, I should say, Productions, is sponsored by From the Heart, right? Absolutely, Claire. We're so honored to be Trudy's physical sponsor, and thank you for joining us. Hi, good morning, Claire and Carol. Thanks for inviting me. It's, it's been a great experience to have From the Heart as a fiscal sponsor, So, and you came highly recommended by some friends up here in Northern California, where I am oh, right now. Oh, how sweet. You like it up there, too? I do. I was born and raised here in Calistoga, and so my commute is Calistoga to Loreto once a year. My goodness. Well, what took you down to Baja, and why are you still there? Oh, let's see. In 1976, my first trip down to um, Baja, I was a sea kayaking student for the Na- with the National Outdoor Leadership School, who are still based in Conception Bay down in Baja. And um, I, I went down for a two-week trip, and I stayed six weeks, uh, went home, came up, back up here to Calistoga, bought myself a kayak, and went back down the same year. And I've just been, that's been my, my lifestyle for the last mm, over 40 years now. Um, and I've been living in Loreto, uh, Baja California Sur. So the Baja Peninsula is comprised of two states of Mexico. There's northern Baja and there's southern Baja or Baja California Sur. And so I've been living in Loreto for uh, 35 years and ran a kayak trip uh, business for a number of years. But um, about 1985, I hopped on a mule in Baja after paddling the the sea and learning the coastal stuff, I got onto a mule and started riding up in the mountains, and it opened up a whole new world for me. I I thought, wow, here's another 20 or 30 years of exploration. Oh, my goodness, how wonderful. Well, what is behind the making of a film about Dario and his dream? Well, um, a couple of years after I started riding mules, and well, I got myself a horse, and then a girlfriend and I decided that uh, we wanted to do a longer trip up in the mountains west of Loreto. 
So there's a little village called San Javier, a mission village. It's part of El Camino Real. You know, it's uh, Loreto was the first jumping-off point for El Camino Real, and up here in Sonoma, uh, Alta California, it's it's the other end of it. And so we wanted to ride some of the El Camino Real trail. And there's a mission village just to the west of us. So a girlfriend and I hopped on horses and mules, and we took off with an old vaquero guide, and and we rode about five days. We rode a loop trip up in the mountains, and it was fascinating to meet people who lived back in those mountains uh, on these old ranches, just like as, as if you went back in time for 100 years. And so as we were riding, um, well, when, when we got midway, we got to a little oasis village called um, the Comondus. And as we were riding, our old cowboy guide told us, you know, there's a family that lives a couple days mule ride from here, and, and he's an old saddle maker, and he makes saddles in the traditional way. And I thought, oh, I've got to go see them sometime. So a couple years later, we, we did that. And, um, well, we, we rode about, we got to a place where we just had to ride five hours cross-country to get to their ranch. But the amazing thing was we were the first Americans or the first foreigners to ever visit them on their ranch. And that was a really, really special experience. And uh, so kind of with that, I went, wow, this would be really fun to run tours and bring people out to visit these people. So we did that. and um, oh, You did? You started tours just to go to his uh, ranch? Yeah, I love riding. I had horses here in Northern California when I was a teenager, and I hadn't been on a mule for about 15 years, or a horse for about 15 years. And then when I got to Baja and I started riding, I thought, wow. So got myself a horse and thought, well, this would be really cool to run tours out here. And when I met Darío and his family on this roadless ranch, and he was doing this amazing thing of making old, old old-style saddles, I thought, wow, I I need to start bringing groups out here. And I think the focus of my trips most of the time, or the kayaking trips and now the mule trips, is that I love to be a link. Uh, I just love to offer the link of being the, the person or the organization that can help people learn about the cultures. And so they learn about each other, the the tour guests that I bring in and the the people who live on the ranches. And it's been a great uh, business to be in to and just connect those two cultures. To connect the cultures, wow. Yeah. Now, did you learn your Spanish while you were living down there? I had taken Spanish in school here, but when I went down as a kayaking person, <laughs> I actually went to school in mainland Mexico for a few weeks, but mostly it was living out there on the coastline with the fishing families when I was kayaking and and now for the last 30 years in the mountains with the ranch families that I learned that. And so when I would go to the ranches and translate, uh, I would translate for the people on my tours and, and be able to translate all of this interesting information, for instance, that Dario had. And um, so one day... On one of those tours not too long ago, about three years ago, Dario said to me as I was translating for the group, he said, Trudy, 
you know, there is something that I've been wanting to do. I'm going to be 70 years old pretty soon, and there's something I've been wanting to do for about, um, you know, for a long time, all my life. I've heard these stories about the old-time packers, and some of them have been my relatives. I knew some of these people when the when the system of these pack trains to be the merchant travelers through Baja, when there were no roads, they had to run pack trains of animals to go from the smaller villages that had a lot of goods to sell and take them all the way to La Paz, maybe 200 miles, with a pack train of donkeys and mules. And he said, I've heard about those when I was you know, I heard stories around the campfire when I was little and talked to these old gentlemen who were the Packers, and he said, it's always been my dream to make the equipment and gather a group of animals and then do a trip down to down to La Paz and see what it felt like to be on the trail for, for 20 days at a time and packing up those animals and, and doing that. So he said, and you know what? Um, I want it on film. And immediately, oh <laughs> I know, some old cowboy out in the middle of a roadless ranch, and he wants it on film, but I'll tell you why later. Oh <laughs> and gosh. so immediately I opened my big mouth and said, oh, he said, do you think I can do it? And I said, oh, yeah, you can do it, and I'll help you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So that's a, a five-year commitment, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. So he well, he wanted to do this, this uh, thing called the Arequa. What does that mean, Trudy? Well, uh, requa, um, the word requa actually comes from Arabic, so way back, rakba, for something that follows one another. And um, I checked in the et- a person who's good with Spanish etymology, and she told me it came from Arabic, rakba, something that follows one another. Um, like a camel caravan, if you can imagine. It comes from Arabic. So in Spanish, it's uh, been changed to requa. That's R-E-C-U-A. And in English, it refers to a pack train, a donkey pack train, or or a mule pack train, or the whole shebang, the, all the pack animals and the riders. And in our case, also, camera people, sound guy, and the support crew moving on down the trail. Wonderful. See, I got your notes that you kept on the trail, and I was shocked. Uh, The production work behind the scenes is as much as the production the next day. And I have to read some of this because I think that our audience will really love and get the feel of what's going on. Because you you say, like on the morning of the 28th, for breakfast, we had coffee, cocoa, empanadas, empanadas, queso, mm-hmm. fruit, snacks, hard-boiled eggs. And the classic ERC Aurora Trail is just 10 minutes from camp. Shay and the logistics crew go on ahead. Recure riders and the second Salida and the film crew behind on are positioned ahead. And we carry small radios for trail communications for filming. Departure at 10 a.m. from camp, but about midday, Dario has a breathing attack and uses an inhaler as well as homeopathic rescue remedy and strong back black coffee for revival, and something works. He doesn't die, and he's able to continue on. So this <laughs> must have been a hard day for you. 
<laughs> that was one of our most dramatic days. <laughs> and and I would say, um, you know, the the um uh the the making of this film because I've had a lot of experience doing logistics on pack trips and especially long pack trips. I've ridden the the whole peninsula from Cabo all the way to the border a couple of times now. So mm. um so I'm pretty comfortable out there on the trail. But um but Dario started out with bronchitis and later on that's gonna come into the play of the of the movie, of course, because it's one of the tension points in our in our film is is uh, that we almost lose him on day two, and we oh. tried to convince him not to go and to you know to save himself and meet us elsewhere down the trail. But he was determined, and so that 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 actually was a, a fortuitous kind of tension point that happened, and then he survived it, and we all did, and so we carried on. And yeah, it was really amazing to do the logistics for this trip, and and even though I really haven't had any much. I, when I said yes to Dario, that I would help him do the film, and I thought, oh, well, I have a little bit of filmmaking experience, and I could, you know, I, I, I can probably pull this off with him. But little did I know <laughs> that, uh, you know, my, my little bit of experience helping some film crews that have come down to Baja to do a travel bit or or a foodie show or something like that, and then I did the organizing uh, for the for the pack trip logistics for Corazon Vaquero, and I must say here that um, I greatly appreciate Cody and Gary McClintock, uh, their their trust in me and their faith in me and. And the fact that they gave, graciously gave me the title of associate producer in their credits, even though I felt like chief cook and bottle washer. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, but they, you held it together. I mean, I'm yeah. after reading all of this that you did behind the scenes. It's amazing. You'd certainly deserved it. Yeah, and so you know, I realized that actually when. You know, Dario. He when he said to me, "Can can we make a film out of this?" and I said, "Sure, let's do it." Um, you know, it wasn't like Dario was just pulling that out of his sombrero. He he actually had had a, some experience because he was one of the one of the characters also in Corazon Vaquero, so he knew what he was talking about. And I think I can say that over the years. Uh, watching a few film crews work and, and me helping with help, helping them with some logistics, I could see that things go really well if you can get a good team together. And we had a great team. Perfect, perfect. So but this is one of the things I wanted us to cover today, producing a film that covers a lot of production, background production, um, because you just made it look and sound like it was gorgeous. And I've seen your shots, and they are magnificent. Whoever your drone operator was gets a four stars from me because the shots really put you in touch with nature and with the, uh, with the trek and the people and the country and the purpose. And it, uh, it took you so far away from your daily strife and pressure that most people are under here in America and took us into another world and another feeling. 
So uh, it's amazing, amazing how much help was needed to move all those people's mules and materials. Uh, so the the background that you have with tours, I guess, was what gave you some of these skills, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was definitely it. And um, let's see. Well, can you think... give us an overview? Because this film is really extraordinary. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I I'd say. Well, I'll start with with. Um, in our first teaser that we made back in 2017, so a couple summers ago, I came up with, with a line for to give a general visual here. When there were no roads, there were reckless. And so in the not-too-distant memories of almost every local person I know in Baja who's over 50, they remember the borough caravans and the lifestyle of riding an animal to get to town. So pack mm-hmm. trains were more prevalent than pickup trucks back then. That wasn't too long ago. That was even in the 60s and 70s. And so life was a lot slower when you go along at a donkey pace. Um, there's a great observation made by Ricardo, one of our cowboys, maybe 15 minutes into the film, about how everyone's racing around in cars these days. And that's what I love about this film being this kind of a documentary. We get to listen to what our experts in the field literally have to say. And 50 years ago, um, <clears throat> camping and riding and walking through the desert mountains to go visit your neighbor a few miles away was the norm. Uh, to ride from your ranch or a mountain village down to the coast or port town would take a day or two to go get groceries. You might take your tanned um, cow hides to trade or cheese or dried meat or whatever you, your ranch produced, but sometimes the store would come to you. So if you lived a couple <laughs> of days away from a supply source or couldn't get away from the ranch because you're too busy, there were peddlers with their reclas of burros and mules, and they were called fayuqueros. So the fayuquero was a peddler, uh, they were called traveling merchants, and so they'd ride loop trips between all the outback remote ranch, roadless ranches, and visit maybe 30 ranches in a month. And they'd bring things, you know, like buckets and and uh, needles and uh, paper and a tray and things, washboards and things, and trade for food and goods that were needed. And so the people on the ranches had limited um, ability to move because it took days to go to town. So, But the larger loads, the, the hundreds of kilos of dates and the cheese and the hides for riding for 200 miles from a village down to the bigger port city of La Paz, those were the long-haul truckers of that day, the muleteers, or they called them arrieros, arrieros, de las recuas and that really took a special breed of people so this movie gives you a glimpse into that lifestyle Um, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of similarities to the old reclas there are nuggets of history that are brought to light they're intermittent the favorite part and thing that people i've noticed have loved when they've seen uh, bits of the film there are intimate interviews with some of the elders along the route who remember those old days and just all kinds of valuable and information that's worth preserving. So when you camped out 50 years ago, you had a bedroll, 
you had a blanket and a piece of canvas, basically, to keep the dew off. You pulled some dried meat out of your leather saddlebags, and you had a little bag of coffee and sugar and a tin cup and a few tortillas and maybe a piece of cheese. And you would make your meals along the trail. So there's all kinds of detailed information of when the old vaqueros were riding, and actually when we ride on our tours still, that that's how we do it. We You carry it all with you and go for days and days and days and sometimes months. So there were a lot of ranches in the Sierras back in the time of the Requas. It was a higher population of ranches. Mm-hmm. And um, so there were all kinds of information about in the movie about how to care for your animals and they're really your lifeline and you tie up your mule on a desert plant that you know that it likes to eat because you and your mule are taking care of each other and and there are some lost words that are already being you know words that are being lost to history even on the trails in Baja there's one special word that I'd hope to focus on I'm not sure if we got it in there very much but it's it's a word it's a payense and that word says way more than just the literal the literal translation which would be dismount from your mule it's just music to the ears of a rider on a long hot day it says it says to you if somebody you ride up to a ranch and somebody comes out from their porch and says abeyance that means Come on in, set a spell. Want some coffee? <laughs> we're friends, oh. and, and very likely we're relatives. So it's one disappearing word. You never hear it now in our car culture. Um, right. Yeah. We're talking about the mules. <clears throat> Going back to your diary, one of the notes that I really loved, it says, the mules are tied tonight, but of good feed. Though a few loose horses stole part of it from top of a truck overnight, and the Bacaros missed giving them one of the bales. So you were on, you had to be on top of everything. Yeah, pretty much, uh, <laughs> especially when we got to the road. I had to be on top of everything on March 5th and 6th when we were planning how to get on the trail and travel with 13 people and 25 animals and 12 of those being packed up with with loads of gear and food and water and all that Um, because we had to take water. We had a couple of dry camps where we didn't camp near water. And so being in charge of all those logistics, that's kind of like that's in my back pocket uh, because I've been doing it for so long. But when it got to be such a large crew and then we had cameras and then we had to figure out how to how to charge all that camera equipment that the four photographers had. And and so we ended up having to take along a Goal Zero battery charger, pack that on top of one of the donkeys. Uh, wow. We had a big leather bag that we could stick a, a Honda generator into so that we could have some backup for, <clears throat> for cameras. And for just two or three nights. And then after that, we were actually mostly on trails. And and I've got a little background information about how that went a little bit uh, in a few minutes. But but basically, um, you know, yeah, it was a lot of logistics, and you really had to trust your crew, and you had to know what those animals needed and where to find a camp 
that would be really good for them uh, so that they would have some food as well as us being able to find a place without any rocks to sleep, hopefully. <laughs> well, did you sleep outdoors, and did you uh, take tents, or were you just like the old vaqueros? Well, for the most part, there were two or three people, a couple of the vaqueros slept out under the stars, and uh, mm-hmm. because Dario had his cold, we actually stuck him in a tent. But um, but basically, we had a couple people along helping uh, because they were paying us to do this trip, and so that helped some of the uh, the, the budget line to have two or three people along on the trip who were uh, doing that, and so they got some tents. And so I was running kind of two trips at once, a filming trip and a, a guest trip at the same time. And just How smart around. of you, Trudy. That's a brilliant. That's a good producer. Yeah, we. I kind of just try to pull everything from every every different angle that I could as far as uh, working on the budget there. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I, uh, a little bit more information. You know, we had children on the trail, and the uh, the children were Dario's grandson and then a, a young girl, and I'll explain a little bit about them later. But but one of the things about camping and we're going with the animals is the way the riders on the trail share the workload in camp is another part of our story. So the children know that the first thing you do once you're in camp and the animals are unloaded and tied up is to gather firewood. And because they're mm-hmm. ranch kids, they know which does of, of the desert wood works and which doesn't. And so if you really pay close attention to the requa story when you get to view it, um, you could learn a bunch of tips and tricks and learning how to make a successful run with a dozen donkeys to La Paz. And, uh, <laughs> you know, although that's not going to be in anybody's uh, probably uh, uh, bucket list um, in very many places, it also just, <laughs> although it's on some, some people want to do it with me and do it over again. So <laughs> I bet they um, do. Yeah, but on the other hand, you learn also about how how they move down the trail and how you just go day to day and you don't have all that rush like you mentioned in the day-to-day world in our car world and our internet world and all that. So it really it really this movie helps you um helps get you into a sense of who these people are how slow down how slowed down you can get when you start being around animals too so at the end of the ride uh, when we were all back in town and I sent emails to my film team just uh, out of curiosity basically and asked them uh what was your favorite thing about the ride yes. and from every single one of them from separate replies the unanimous first favorite thing was seeing the camaraderie that was shared by the arrieros, uh, the packers, their calm attitude and their resiliency to ride with the punches, their humor, their really honest respect for each other, and that's between the adults and the children equally because there's so much communication between them. So the, the adults respect the children because they, the children are doing a lot of the work on the trip, and the children have been brought up to respect the adults and they they just work that way mutually. So it was such an inspirational human environment 
to be a part of that requiem team. Yes, and getting back to nature, being part of nature. Oh my gosh, I didn't. I doubt if cell phones would work in those places, did they? No. Well, that was part of something that actually I wanted to maybe have added in. We had a couple of key um, shots that were taken, but we didn't actually put it into the film, this one anyway, uh, of the guys getting up on top of a mountain and holding their cell phones up trying to get <laughs> a long distance. <laughs> and the kids, too, are riding down a trail and, hey, look, we've got signal. And so they, you know, <laughs> it was we're connected. But one of the other things I, I want to mention about um, about how the – um the the interaction with the other elders as we dry, ride down the peninsula and hit some of these old ranches or just even riding by and how people come out and they they're just totally interested because that was their lives as we ride by on a road for instance and uh people see the reckler riding by for the during those 20 days they'll come out and they'll go wow this is just like the old days, and fairly. And recently, just this last year, after we've had some footage and we were able to go and do some presentations in Loreto and around the peninsula, when we've been requested throughout Baja to give a little slideshow or talk about how we rode the trail and made the film, sometimes Daddy is there too, so that's really fun because he's kind of a he does his show and tell stuff. So inevitably, an older local person in the audience will stand up at the end of our presentation and with quavering voice and tears rolling down their face would just give us heartfelt thanks for rekindling the memories of their youth and honoring their relatives who were those arrieros and those packers by preserving the Reckley history. So I get a lump in my throat right now just thinking those moments and if it ever seems impossible to finish the film, I think that's what keeps us going is just all the heartfelt energy that we felt from elder people especially who just really appreciate the fact that we're appreciating their lifestyle. Well, it's a historical film. It's a, yeah. a very important historical documentary because this will be here long after you're gone and I'm gone because – It'll be part of the future for people to look back and see how incredible it was that uh, that these things existed. And I love the, the uh, stories of people being able to ride from town to town without having to go on a road, but staying off-road just like they did years ago. And that's hard to do anymore. It's a lot yeah. of work. Yeah, and it's hard to find places without fences, and we luckily have a, a lot of that. Without fences, exactly. Yeah. So. But there was a, a scene in one of the clips that you sent me that I really enjoyed, and it, it was exactly as you said. A man and a wife had come out to their uh, their little fence, mm-hmm. handmade fence, and they were talking about, uh, oh, hello, how are you? I'm so happy to see you. And they talked about, uh, the man who was running the about Dario, and um, they told us so much about him that you couldn't have put in the film any other way. I had to hear it from someone else. Yeah. And that, that third-party just... statement <laughs> gave me so much information. I thought that was brilliant to put that in. Yeah, thank you. 
Yeah, that was very, very fun. And that was like one of the gems of the interactions along the trail with old Don Cruz and Doña Delfina because Dario used to ride with him and used to drink tequila with him. And the old man was a tequila maker, and so they talk about that. And, you know, in the old days when they used to pack it in barrels on donkeys in the night because they they had to avoid the uh, the federales who would come after them for the sheriff or something. <laughs> so that history in Baja is not that old. Um, you know, it's really, really fun to to have to be able to to have captured those moments, those really, you know, d- amazing pop up moments of of wow, this is just what we're looking for to share with with people about the history of these people. But as you know, as documentaries go, documentaries when you're making them and when you're producing them and when you're when you're editing them, can change direction. So Dario's original dream of the pure history of the requis, how he made the pack gear and all that, um, actually morphed into a film with more personal glimpse into his family and the history and the hardships of outback ranching. And um, So it's, it's touching um, to get more personal with him and some of the people on the trip. So possibly another shorter, more historical and educational-focused documentary might be on the horizon. We certainly have the footage for that, and I think a 30- to 40-minute clip might uh, might hopefully be on our horizon, too. I think that's a, a brilliant idea that I'd love to talk to you about more because I can see this as a community screening with questions and answers and uh, and even a written uh, story telling us what uh, what do the uh, the mules eat, and what do the horses love to eat? Do you have to bring hay all the time, or what can you find on the road, and how do you sleep, and what do you cook, and all of that stuff for people who are really interested in the olden days and who might want to take a trip. Yeah, and and so something educational is has always been kind of in the back of my head as well and something short to give a real concise overview and but we had so much amazing footage that we really need to needed to um you know um uh, spread out with some of the personal glimpses and information for Dario and the others on the trip and their families but the history of of uh the requas is is just an incredible theme on its own Absolutely. Well, in the film, Darius asked the question, what is in everything? And the people are answering the question in the film, but nobody has a right answer. They all have really good answers. So at the end of the interview, I want you to tell me what is in everything. It's something people really need to think about. But I thought the aspect of adding philosophy out there in nature with the mules and the slow-paced movement just added to the piece. And uh, it was it chilled me out from all the madness going on just to think that you could ride for two or three hours and think about something philosophical and, and be part of the answer because you are the answer. You are nature, and you only know it when you get back into it, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's what I love. Um, you know, as it's always scramble, scramble, scramble to get ourselves on the trail, and um, <clears throat> and then you get out there, and the pace just totally changes, and then you get back into town, and there you are again with cars and the internet and stuff. But when you're out there, it's really amazing. But I'm really glad that you appreciated that sequence in the clip that we that you've seen, because um, now recently I've had other folks watch it and say the same thing. Oh, I can't wait to find out the answer to the riddle. <laughs> so exactly. in, in answer to your question, um, I'd say um, you, you were a, um, questioning, too, was it kind of deliberate to put that in there? But in answer to your question, I'd say it wasn't deliberate in a scripted sense, but since parts of the culture of outback ranch life and trail travel, whether it was families with children who were traveling with their pack strings of donkeys camping out for a couple of nights just to get to the next village to go celebrate at a Saint Day festival, for instance, or maybe a few vaqueros, uh, cowboys who were out riding and as a topic of conversation, maybe one of them heard a new riddle or a joke and they'd chew on it for a while trying to trip each other up with, with riddles and answers. Or maybe a popular local story or a piece of gossip would be shared as they'd ride along or settle down around the cook fire each night. Um, so campfire stories were fun, too, and riddles. So riddles are a, a key part of the family communication in the old days, before there were even radios out there and everybody just uh, made conversation. And it was a key part of the vaquero or the cowboy culture and it's so cool that our editor picked up on that really fun aspect. And right now I want to give credit to my editing team for pulling those gems out of the hours and hours of footage and sound. And sometimes without knowing it, they'd add a scene that might speak volumes to someone who's maybe a horse rider. You're a horse rider, aren't you, Carol? Yes, I had horses for 20 years, right. Yeah, so you would probably catch this, too, Um you might catch the nuance of how an animal's ears are pointed in one way or another, something that's yes, so yes. important and would tell you, oh, that mule is happy, or oh, it looks like that donkey is hearing a drone overhead. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. So as producer of the film and as a, a trail rider for decades and having lived a really unique lifestyle being part of that lovely history and our culture of our outback California families, one thing that's been a joy for me is to offer a link between the cultures for my guests on the tours to share that sense of sweetness and gentleness and humor and hard work and hardship and of all those families. So I'm excited about those messages in La Requa that might get out there and spread farther so that the fading era of old California ranch culture and trail knowledge and it really, the tranquility of that lifestyle might not be forgotten. Absolutely. Well, to make this film, you had to send the crew on the same journeys, so they had to pack their gear, their film equipment, etc. And did they have to sleep outside? Tell us about the crew. Were they willing to put up with <laughs> no cell phone and being gone and and less water and strange food and all the things, the discomforts that went on. Were they? How did they handle all this? Yeah, our film crew, 
because they were born and raised, basically most of them, um, well, a couple of them in, in Baja, and in their 30-somethings, they, they loved it. And I chose really a young woman whose artwork about her photography that is just so has so subtle and so much subtleness and depth in her photography as she has filmed people on ranches um, and people on the longer horse rides. So she'd already been on Elizabeth Moreno, one of our main camera people, um, had already been on some long horse rides. And Eric Stevens, who's a friend of mine from Loretto, he'd been on some rides with me and done some filming. And Elizabeth's husband, her uh, boyfriend, Alejandro Rivas, he's, they love to live and camp outside and all that. And um, so they were perfect. And I did actually take them in in uh, about June 2017 after Dario and I first started organizing and thinking about how, how we were going to do this. I invited all those, those three anyway, Elizabeth and Alejandro and Eric, invited them uh, to drive out to Dario's ranch for kind of a 24-hour meet and greet and see what would happen, and to just to make sure they were going to hit it off. And Dario loved them all, and and everyone really hit it off. And Elizabeth and Alejandro basically turned their cameras on Dario from the moment we got to his ranch and didn't turn them off until we drove away the next evening. <laughs> and <laughs> Wonderful. They, they captured some amazing information and. So they put together a uh, a nice six-minute uh, video teaser, and we use that for the promo. But one of my favorite people on the trip had never ridden before, and it was really funny. His, uh, you know, I I didn't know, so I was pretty clueless. Being a newbie, a newbie filmmaker, they told me, Trudy, we really need a sound person to come along, a guy with a microphone, <laughs> a sound guy, and I'm like. Well, we didn't have that when we were doing Corazon Vaquero, but they finally convinced me. And so um, they finally convinced me that we needed a guy for 20 days to ride on the trail in March and April 2018. And it wouldn't have, it couldn't be just any guy, but it had to be Rogelio Munoz. And Rogelio is uh, 30-something, and he'd never ridden a mule before. He had a little beard and a long ponytail, and he wouldn't wear a cowboy hat. And he ended up fitting into the team like Gabby Hayes to Hopalong Cassidy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, how wonderful. Dario and he just got along so well, and Dario teased him all the time that he wanted to cut off Rogelio's ponytail so that he could weave it into a, into a rope. <laughs> and I keep saying, if I ever make another film, I just wouldn't do it if I can't have Rogelio as our sound tech. <laughs> But this is marvelous how you got a team that could get along because I have really never heard of putting a team together before you shoot to see if they're going to get along. This is yeah. great. Yeah, because I knew we were going to have hard times on the trail and difficulties and long days and it was going to be hotter, it was going to be colder, and it was going to be – I knew I had to have somebody with a little experience in that in that realm and – Boy, when when Elizabeth or we call her Lisi and and Alejandro Cato were uh, signing on, they were just so enthusiastic about it. Said, you know what? We just we need to do this trip. We're we're your people. And by the end of the meet and greet, I was like, yeah, you're our people. So. <laughs> 
And, That's good uh, well, to know. One of, and so one of the other things is we had to have, you know, the goal zero. Well, I think I talked about this, the goal zero and the Honda generator and all that. And we had to carry water with us in the pack sometimes because, um, you know, sometimes we had to sleep in dry camps. And there's a reason for that. You kind of learn about that a little bit in La Requa. But all in well, all, there were about seven nights that we slept out camping, and the rest we were kind of invited to stay and camp in villages or ranches along the route. And some of the ranches had electricity, but some did not. So, um, yeah, we just needed and the cars. The car battery served to to help us recharge some of the and help them do the backup and stuff. Well, how often did you get to see the film? Was it daily or? Weekly, yeah, or no. how did you know what you had? Yeah, hardly at all, actually. Uh, me, none. I never really got to see any of the shots. They'd do the backup at night, and I'd usually be cooking or putting gear away or helping set up tents or something, but um, they'd be doing the backup. And so I actually didn't get to see the film until about three months later after they had done all the backups and made copies and everything, and then, then I got some of the uh, hard drives and was able for three months to sit here in Calistoga in my mom's living room and just kind of watch, watch, watch and and make uh, notes and things and get some ideas. And then our editors, editing team did the rest of the cataloging. They did a real thorough job of cataloging. But as far as being able to see anything or hear anything as we went along, the, the film, the camera crew were able to see little bits and pieces, but because we didn't have that much juice to to charge everything they couldn't really watch long portions of it or time they were all tired by the end of the day and getting climbing into their tents at 10 o'clock at night to do the backup and then and yeah wow. so quite a, that's a lot of faith trudy to believe well, in them that they're getting everything you needed that's incredible okay well that leads to I didn't know what I needed. I just basically, like the same time we went out there, I said, gee, I guess these camera people, they're just going to shoot everything that happens and because we didn't have a script. Um, you know, there there was no way that we could uh, figure out that, hey, there's going to be a snake in the middle of the trail over there or, or uh, the donkey's going to lose its load on the middle of the road or or uh, suddenly Asusena is going to go galloping off on her mule down the trail. So those kinds of things just had to be captured in the moment. So it was really lucky that we had three really good photographers paying a lot of attention, and Rogelio riding along, if you can imagine, on top of a mule with his big fuzzy boom uh, microphone on top of a boom, <laughs> trying to keep his boom out of the camera as he's jogging down the trail on a mule. It was actually very fun. <laughs> That is wonderful. So, so I think there's another, the making of La Reco would be another <laughs> one that I'd love to do. <laughs> yes, great. Well, tell us about the funding. I mean, that had to come from people who really loved you and believed in you because all the things you would normally have to go out for funding, you didn't have. Right. Um, so, yeah, the funding and figuring out the budget uh, yes. was was pretty incredible because you you know things come up and that you're unexpected but I'll tell you here I I joke earlier that basically I opened my big mouth and said yes to Dario I'll help you without even thinking before I spoke but and some folks have told me I was very brave to set <laughs> step into the role of producer and maybe some people say I was crazy but 
we and we never applied for grants until now and haven't uh, gotten a grant won a grant contest yet but we're thrilled to know that La Requa made the top 10 list from the from the hearts Roy W Dean grant and so we're we're hoping to see what happens down the trail on that and um but I I guess I can say that my MO for jumping into this project was more intuitive and in the moment when I said yes to Dario it came to mind that I might know somebody who would have interest as an executive producer. Uh, she's a woman I met in 1980 in Baja and um, has been a very supportive in the realm of conservation effort and cultural preservation throughout Baja California Sur. And years ago, she came on the first all-women's kayaking trip that I ran in 1984. And our paths have crossed over the years via some mutual friends in Baja and mutual interests. And about five years ago, we found that we were on parallel trails uh, now, too, as far as ranch culture, mule rides, and all that related history. So ultimately, her philanthropy has helped cover about 30% of the hard costs of pulling off the endeavor. And and in in-kind work that Eric Stevens have done uh, counts for probably another 30% of the total budget. This is marvelous. That kind of energy, you can't buy that. I mean, that is wonderful to have energy like that in your film. It it shows. You can feel all the love when you look at those shots. It's incredible. Um well, where are you now in production, and how much more do you have to raise? Well, we're almost at final cut. And like I say, my learning curve has been really steep. <clears throat> like, I didn't know anything about 5 to point one sound, and I didn't know anything about even um, even uh, color, color correction. And so, uh, you know, I talked to Sam... Uh, the luggage, yeah, the and and set up with him way back um, several months ago, early in the year. I talked to him uh, upon your your recommendation. That was great. Thank you. We hit it off over the phone really well. And I said, Hey, Sam, I'll be back in touch. Maybe we'll have something for you in September. And I called him a couple months ago and said. <laughs> Guess what, Sam? It's not ready. I can't get the cut to you in September. But I bet you hear this all the time, huh? With these, <laughs> with independence, and he's like, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so in production right now. Well, our budget pretty much dried up in August for production. But um, my really patient post-production crew reminds me occasionally of some other unbeknownst to me little addition that adds a thousand dollars or. <laughs> here or five hundred dollars there but it's true we really do need that bit of animation for the map and and uh so mm-hmm. Ale- or alejandro guerrero our music score guy really should get paid another twenty thousand pesos or a thousand dollars because that's what uh musician doing music scores get and but luckily my crew, who almost all live in La Paz and born and raised there, they either trust me a lot and keep me moving forward, or maybe they trust the universe too, so that's nice. And so last month, with a little flurry of um, begging for matching funds and stuff, we I only have about $5,000. We're, I think, $5,000 away from uh, the light at the end of the fund, uh, 
the final Fabulous. cut channel. And that's the dollars, not pesos. <laughs> right, right. Well, uh, what are your ideas of distribution? Um, I think I think the film will be really popular on its own down in Mexico, and especially Baja, uh, because I've been I ran a Facebook. First time I ever did anything with Facebook really was to set up a a Facebook page for La Recla and started it in March, just before we started riding down the trail. And immediately we got 6,000 people viewing and you know, uh, and hundreds of thousands of views. And it's it was really amazing to me. So we kept going, and people are really kind of chomping at the bit to find out when the, when the film's going to be out. So I think it'll be real popular. We're going to hang on to that probably in Mexico or maybe look for some other distribution there. But since it's... Um, in Spanish, with English subtitles, it might take a bit more of a push up north. But like I heard Frances Causey, I listened to her talk uh, the other day, yes. and she received uh, that e- that same email newsletter that uh, Keith uh, Oswat put out via uh, Peter Broderick, and you also right. suggested me getting in touch with them. And so when I started reading and looking into that, his discussion on um, – the idea of hybrid distribution really resonates with me. And so I, I can see that the Broderick concept of community screenings and keeping a handle on your own project makes a lot of sense. And even I listened to Leah's program just last night. And, and so I'm hoping that um, this community screening, and, and I know it's going to be a lot, of, a lot more work, but I love doing those kinds of things, so that's okay. So I hope to put all of that into into action pretty soon when we get the final cut and start heading for the final final cut and and uh get the start making those key uh key connections and so but since Dario we we named Dario the director of the project because it's so much from his heart and what he yes. comes out of his mouth is basically so I'm not directing anything or scripting anything. It was what Dario had in his dream. So Dario and I would be sharing in those ultimate decisions when the time comes. And and it was, you know, because it was him and his, his great knowledge and the history of the old-time reckless. And so he and I are sharing in, in those ultimate uh, sales decisions or how to get more, a little more money coming in at the end here. And so, if the besides, if the film does end up getting acknowledged in a film festival or whatever, it would be really fun to travel as a producer and director together to the festival yes. and be on stage with him someday to receive a reward. And and I'm thinking, you know, he might even throw out a riddle. <laughs> Let's hope he does. That would be charming. Oh, speaking of riddles, you have to tell us what is in everything. And I'm going to have to say, no way, Jose. You need to see the film to get the answer. <laughs> oh, yeah, wonderful. Yeah, that's going to be fun. my fun answer to tell people when they say, okay, so what is it? What is it? Well, no, what you're going it? to have to yes. see the film. <laughs> no, I spent hours thinking on that. I wrote down a bunch of things. But uh, I need to see the whole film and make sure I, I can learn all the no's from the film for before he tells us the answer. Mm-hmm. Well, our, our hour is up, and I thank you so much for sharing all this. This sounds like a film that was conceived and produced 
in love, support, and uh, connections. Everybody was connected. And this is, if you go back to what we're studying on our film funding classes every other Saturday, we're talking about how we are connected. All of us humans are connected. And you were smart enough to make sure that the people that went on the trail liked each other, were connected, and a lot of people, Trudy, cannot slow down to the pace of your film. So you were very smart in getting the right people because uh, it it comes through. I can feel that in w- watching your film. So congratulations. Yeah, thank, you. thank you. I posted a, a fun picture last night on Facebook uh, for, mm-hmm. for La Requa Darío's Dream. And um, it's a great shot of a kind of, we got to first cut party in August this last year before I came north to Baja. And it's my whole film crew and sound crew. And and we're we're drinking some wine and playing music. And it just was so fun to have that that camaraderie as well between the whole group. And it just carries on and hopefully it will come out in the film as well. Oh, I'm sure. Now, let me uh, ask you to uh, spell this so people can find your website. Okay. My website is actually Bellmare Productions, so that's B-E-L-L hyphen M-A-R-E productions.com. So that's all one word, basically, Bellmare Productions with the hyphen. And my uh, Saddling South website is S-A-D-D-L-I-N-G-S-O-U-T-H, Saddling South. And um, email is tourloretto, T-O-U-R-L-O-R-E-T-O, all one word. And if you want to go to Facebook, uh, excuse me, tourloretto at AOL.com. And if you want to go to the very fun uh, Facebook page and start at the bottom on March 2018 all the way to, to last night, um, it is Facebook slash La Requa slash Darío's Dream. And that's L-A, one word, R-E-C-U-A, slash Darío, D-A-R-I-O-S, Dream. So La Requa slash Dario's Dream. Okay. Thank you, Trudy. This has been a delightful time with you. I sincerely appreciate you sharing all this, and thank you, Claire, for helping with the show. Oh, and, yes, and thank always you. a pleasure. Yeah, thank you both, and it's been really fun, and, and I love to talk about uh, the movie and the how-to, and I hope we all get to see it on film on a big screen somewhere pretty soon. Yeah, absolutely. Same here. No doubt about it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Trudy. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Thank you, Trudy. All right. Be well, everyone. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, 
successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone. <laughs>